0: I'm Gary YouTube and I'm here to say, I like tears, me. That's a bit mean, isn't it? What? Sounds like, you, sounds like you like upsetting people. I like tears, I like mate. tears, the Cultaholic, me. once again, putting <laughs> you in tears. We're here, once again, a couple of Gary YouTubers to do some Gary YouTubing in the form of a tear maker rank thing. How are you doing today, Gary? Oh, Gary, I'm having a great day, Gary. Thanks for Bloody asking me. Bloody hell, Gary. Hit the intro, Gary. <laughs> So just in case you are new to this Gary YouTubing Malarkey, we're gonna put some things into a tier thing here. We have different tiers ranking from worst to best, but it's not to be confused with the series with the same title on this very channel, it's different in so many ways. Not be you know, just because Gary's in that, that's the main one. So we have the best, <laughs> lovely, 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 all right, middle of the road, just about bearable, then the bottom, which is green for some reason, because semantics would tell you, and connotations and all that long words is, and stuff. is grass, which is. On oh. the
1: ground. Oh.
0: Well, oh, Greed go. Actually, yours is better. Greed
1: is go away. Into the bin. Into the bin. So we're going
0: to do the golden era. Well, the 80s portion of the golden era. We're not too mm. sure what the title for this video will be. You will obviously know by now because you have seen the title just below mm. us here. So whatever the, the powers it's of big go. Basic the... It's basically sort of
1: <laughs> mid to late 80s WWF, sort of rock and wrestling. WWF. This is before like the the, the before the uber-wild, colourful, character-filled 90s. Mm. So this is sort of like in the early stages of the year. It's, it's the 80s, basically. It's the 80s. It's, it's the, the one, 80s. It's Night Rider. You know, when you're Tom's
0: age and you go out for a fancy dress and a stag do or something, you're going to dress up as one of the following wrestlers, Abs- aren't you?
1: Absolutely. Cool. If you were to dress up as one of them, who would you be? Oh Well, do you know what? I w- I'm trying to think if I've dressed as any of them in the past. I have. Yes, uh, yeah. One of the first names we're coming to is going to be ho, you. Ho. Um, I think as we get to
0: get to them, I will tell you who it's going to be. Interesting. I think we will. Bit of a tantaliser to mm. start of the video, but we're kicking things off with Brother Love, uh, and he goes in the best here, doesn't I he? I think genuinely, I'd like to put Bruce Pritchard in the
1: best. Great talk show. Are they the same man.
0: <laughs> that is just the
1: thing with Conrad. Oh my god! Bloody hell! Chat me up on this. <laughs> Why is he the best? Great talker. Great storyteller, excellent interview segment, lovely
0: skin. The man who, in the nineties, would give us the Undertaker. Yes, he would, mm. out of his loins and everything. But uh, you watch the brother looks. It's obvious where he got the inspiration from. But bloody hell, did he do the role very well? Incredibly well, fantastic. Incredibly well. Well. I don't know what more you need to say about
1: Brother Love. The highlight of Brother Love's career. Uh, I th- I genuinely think the highlight of Brother Love's career. There was a couple of segments where there was a couple of segments on the Brother Love show. Um, I personally loved the segment with Jake the Snake Roberts after he'd been blinded by Rick Martel, but that's in the 90s. Oh, we can't really talk about that's that. That's after this era. After this era, it's leaning towards the 90s, so we can't talk about it, but that's a particular highlight for me. Mine's when he came out of a boxing and hugged The
0: Undertaker. Oh, How nice is that? Hello. Followed you. by a dog, or was it just after a dog? After a dog, wasn't it? <laughs> Next up, we have Akeem, The African Dream. And, Tom, you might be able to tell us some more about this. Okay. Are the rumors true? Was this a piss take? of one Dusty room. It was indeed. Mm. It was a little bit of a nudge
1: towards Dusty, who at this point was working uh, for the National Wrestling Alliance. So eventually, Dusty would come in to the fold in the WWF and they'd take the mick out of the guy to his face instead. That uh, Dot wasn't <laughs> burying him, as they like to tell <laughs> us all the time. But, uh, uh, Akeem's on here, but it, we, it, this is kind of Akeem slash the one-man gang. So both men sort of were dominant figures in the eighties. Uh, there was a, a whole segment involved. Uh, with the Reverend Slick uh, taking the one-man gang into like this dusty part of town, and he kind of f- through the power of wizardry, which have found himself. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should put him in the bin. The <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. thing is, I don't want to put him in the bin. I'm no, we're gonna... not putting him in the bin. I'm just gonna... to tie into that segment. Do You know what? It could it would just make would make all time sick. I'm going to put Akim in. All right. Uh, I thought like if... one thing I love about one-man gang in this particular role is he did just throw himself into it. It's ridiculous in, 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 you know, when you look back on it in hindsight, but he threw himself into it.
0: Snake hips is what I'm oh, thinking. Snake hips, One-man
1: gang or Hakeem? I I personally prefer, in terms of entertainment, Akeem. So do I. But One Man Gang is, is, you know, a massive part of his life. It's, the, it's the, He came back into the Gimmick Battle Royal mm-hmm. as One Man Gang. WrestleMania 17. Probably because Akeem's a bit questionable in 2020,
0: <laughs> but here we go. And in 2001. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Andre the Giant and what more needs to be said. we got to put the 8th Wonder of the World in the best. Your favourite Andre the Giant moment from, his, the Rip, eight, from
1: the 80s, I should say. Ripping the cross off of Hogan's uh, neck. (laughs) I challenge you (laughs) to a World Wrestling Championship match at the WrestleMania. The night that Andre the Giant turned his back on his friend Hulk Hogan and Hogan realized, oh no, now this massive
0: giant wants to come from my belt. And the, my tits are bleeding as well oh. to make it all the more worse. Oh
1: yeah. What's what's incredible is that Andre the Giant had the best moments of his career in, in what is considered the twilight of his career. In the late 70s, early 80s, Andre could move. It was terrifying. And it was only when like the WrestleMania, when WrestleMania 3 happened that he really became a star, but he was in absolute agony for most of his life by that point, which is why, when you watch WrestleMania 3, uh, when you watch that main event,
0: it's it's not a five-star match, but it's a moment in time. That bloody... The, the, uh, you say what you want about Hogan these days, but that camera shot right at the start, with all the flashbulbs going in the background. Him oh. and Andre faced it, Well, tits to tits, in the ring, just having a good old stare down. It's spine tingling, oh, Thomas. Absolute moment spine in time. Andre the Giant, absolute love. And Andrew shout out, I think it was there. Was it... Uh, A bloody series that came out recently. What was it? (laughs) The 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 vice vice. Vice oh, the it. dark
1: side of the ring. Did they do one by Andre? Is that no, one? but there was a HBO special. HBO on Andre special. The giant. I'm
0: getting them mixed up. That is a fantastic watching. Me. It gives you a whole new appreciation for what he went through, just living life. There was a picture of him on a plane, yeah, and it was just bless him. Like this
1: world was, was not built for him. Absolutely not. Literally, in every sense, larger than life, and uh, what a guy. So
0: next up, we have Bad News Brown. Now, Bad News, I'm putting in lovely, lovely, lovely. Why? Well, I only know right? one. Because I'm. I've got to admit, as you're probably telling by the start of this video already, my 80s knowledge is not <laughs> up to scratch. 1992. See, this is That's it. not, I should be a wrestling historian in my role as, as YouTube. Twat as Gary, as Gary YouTube. <laughs> See, I'm the elder statesman, Gary YouTube here, because I'm 1984. But my only recollection of Bad News Brown was it the, the feud with Roddy Piper? Yes. And um, he, is that what he? Yeah, that the the, the half and half. Paint? He daubed
1: half his face uh, in black paint. Uh, such uh, the black paint that was so strong that actually Roddy couldn't get it off. His and face. he went home
0: through airports with looking like that. <laughs> oh my! Fantastic. Old bad news.
1: B- yeah, Bad News and Roddy had a phenomenal rivalry. But Bad News was actually capable of. So so much more and I don't think he lived up to his full potential in the WWF I feel like he could have genuinely been a, a higher flight contender a really strong wrestler incredible bad guy like really like dislikable bad guy really big fan of, of bad news Brown came into his own at the end of uh, the uh, Wrestlemania 4 battle royal when him and Bret Hart had a tete a <laughs> night that Bret Hart became a, a goodie. It was a WrestleMania battle Royal moment. Big fan of it. But
0: as I say, I'm not too familiar with Bad News Brown. The only thing I do know is from that Roddy P- uh, Piper feud, and the reason Roddy Piper did paint himself like that was because he didn't believe the ba- uh, so the report to go. He didn't believe that Bad News Brown had the charisma to hold up his half of the feud. So he was like, oh, well... I'll do it for him. I'll do Here off. comes the paint. I'll face one <laughs> way, that's me. I'll face the other way, that's oh. Bad News Brown. You could, like, you watch that now and you is go, that tr- wow. Tr- is that true in your opinion? There of-
1: is there is talk that Piper and Bad News had, were at loggerheads mm. during that time, and it wouldn't shock me if Piper went, ah, that's why I'm going to do it. And, uh, you yeah, you couldn't do it now.
0: <laughs> so next up we have a name that's really surprising to me in, in the 80s sense because I always thought mm. it was just solely 90s, but ba- he, uh, Bam, Bam, he, Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam's lovely, lovely, lovely for me.
1: I almost tempted to put him in the Best actually. I
0: think he deserves to be in the best, mate. Let's pop him in the best. He
1: was, yeah, a lot In terms f- of what he did during the 80s, though, is he in the best? Ah, see, there's your thing. I might pop him back to lovely, lovely, lovely. Sorry, Bammer aficionados. <laughs> but, like, um, the iconic moment for Bam Bam Bigelow in the 80s was the first ever Survivor Series, mm-hmm. in which we had Bam Bam Bigelow on Team Hogan taking on Team Andre, and through one thing or another, hogan 's team got whittled down to just bam bam Bigelow. Bigelow had to fight the odds, including a collision with Andre the Giant, which was which was tantalizing because bam bam was a, was a real face, was a face at this point, uh, managed by Oliver Humperdink. Uh, this is still a great name to say. Yeah, it is a great name. Uh, Oliver Holmgren, by the way, goes in the same category as Bigelow, so I'm putting him in. Lovely, lovely, lovely. He do loads of good stuff in the 90s. I genuinely think that Bam Bam Bigelow would never reach his full potential. I think he's one of those guys that you could have made a world champion. Of course, you could like, have. Like a big guy that can move, never really got the, the 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 true love that he did. But he did some good stuff in the 80s, and the fact that he moved just as well in the 80s as he did in the 90s is testament to uh, his cardio and his. Ability, uh, obviously, no longer with us is Bam Bam, but uh, uh, big love to Big Love. lovely, lovely, lovely.
0: Yeah, yes. he is, he was lovely, lovely, lovely all the way through until the WCW days when he was in the hardcore scene. That's mm. where I'm most familiar with him. Greetings Ooh. from Ashbury Park and all that malarkey in his, in his baggy jumper and tights combination. See you later. It was an interesting alligator. look near the end of his time. <laughs> it was, Very strange time. But next up we have someone you have probably dressed up. That's a fancy dress. I know I almost did. I was almost forced to. At what culture? That's um, besides the point. Bam, batted Big Boss Man. <laughs> all
1: right, Big Boss Man for me. Lovely, lovely, lovely. My first memory of wrestling... Uh, one of my first memories of wrestling was a steel cage match between Hulk Hogan and the big boss man. Outdoors? No, indoors. Was it indoors? It was an indoors one, I believe. It was in the run-up to WrestleMania 2 two or three it was in the run up to Wrestlemania and it featured a suplex off the top of the cage mm. which in the 80s was like the, like was the death move <laughs> like nowadays you kind of you, you'll transition that into a Canadian Destroyer but like that was the death move and Hogan and Bossman would just lay on the floor for what felt like an eternity after this suplex off the cage uh, Bossman would later on like as the as the golden era would start to flourish Bossman would trim down uh, he'd get himself a bit of a baby face makeup over. he'd have the jailhouse match with the Mountie and they'd have they'd, you know and he'd become that didn't end well for the Mountie it did not but it made some bad things happen to
0: him in that prison cell
1: <laughs> don't you <laughs> love how, how leather feels against your body? <laughs> uh, but at this point Bossman was just a big badass uh, him and Hakim uh, the Twin Towers did some good stuff but I slightly rate him over Hakim he's in lovely, lovely I think lovely. that's more
0: than fair enough mm. Big Bossman could, who could move better Big Bossman at Bam Bam Bigelow? Bigelow. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think Bossman, when he trimmed down, had a lot more pace
1: to him. Like he was he was mo- he was moving and doing some kicks and some dives through the ring that were phenomenal later in his time. But during the eighties, he was a bit he was a bit slower and a bit. And a bit chunkier. I
0: was going to say, if, you ever, if, you ever, if, if younger viewers have ever wondered where big, baldy bastard Baron Corbin gets that thing where he gets out the ring qu- quickly, back in, clothesline, boss man, isn't it's it? It's a boss, boss man move. Thing. It's big, a boss, bloody man, boss man move. So next up we have Big John Studd, and if you're going above all right, I'm having serious words with you. Are you not a fan of Big John Studd? I've never gotten me. He's just a bi- big man. Three, <laughs> five, four, four. But not in the way that Andre was, because Andre had a bit of an aura about him. He was kind of the last, like his his real
1: big stand was uh, WrestleMania against Andre. They did a body slam challenge, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like. Yeah, Andre, you can't slam me, and Andre goes, "Yeah, I can." <laughs> <laughs> Done,
0: mate. So he allegedly, was a bit of a diva backstage,
1: wasn't he? There was talk that he was a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a bossy boots. Hence, why like in terms of like the giants that I remember, Big John Studd might not be amongst them. So I will, you know what? I will get. What, what are his redeeming features? Obviously, Royal Rumble winner. Back in the day. Um, I think with Stud, I think he he filled a void before Andre was really a true factor in WWF. But then when Andre came in and Andre was picking up speed, it was just like he was, like he he had. There was a couple of bits later on where he turned face and, and sort of became a a ringside guy. But like the like you say, he didn't have the charisma.
0: Of an Andre the Giant, so we will pop him in all right. So next up, we've we've got a man who I've only seen wrestle, I think, <laughs> at WrestleMania three, and I can't even remember is, that very well because I was. He is such an <laughs> anomaly,
1: <laughs> Billy Jack Haynes. Mm. Um, what do you know about Billy Jack Haynes? He came out to the ring chomping a cigar and looked cool as hell. <laughs> uh, uh, but then, like, there, obviously there'll be people watching this who will be able to reel off all the matches he had in. Independent wrestling promotion, like mountain-based wrestling <laughs> alliance, forever. But <clears throat> I don't have a massive uh, understanding of him, so I kind of want to put him just put just about there, that. just because it wasn't he didn't do enough in the WWF to warrant any major <laughs> credential. But he was part of the WWF during this kind of the eighties period that we are discussing. So there he and goes. You
0: know what? I think it's lost in coverage as a whole in the media. they you're not allowed to say I'm not too sure about him, are you? You never have yeah. to say, "Oh, I'm, I don't know too much about him." Yeah. I think it's all right to go once in a while. I don't know too much about somebody, just so you tell them the truth, doesn't it? It's true. Then strange. when you start speaking about stuff you do know about, it gives you a bit more credence, doesn't it? I think it's funny because, <laughs> like, like some of the stuff that people have said, uh, like about
1: us on the channel, they both say, "I like that you're human," and at the same time, "Why don't you know everything mm. ever?"
0: Like, well, what do you want? What do you want from us? And I guess these tier lists is a concept. It's just your personal opinion, isn't it? Exactly. How it feels to you. And, and even... a you disagree or you agree. And that is the circle of life. Next up, we have the blue bloody blazer. That being said, I want
1: to pop him uh, there. Um, I think if the blue, bla- I mean, the blue blazer could have been a real thing uh, in in the nineties, but what happened is Owen Hart then moved on to team with Coco Beware as high energy. Jim Neidhart as oh, the new foundation. Trousers. Boy, no, right. <laughs> but then he would come into his own as the King of Hearts, Owen Hart, yeah. and him and Bret would have a a scorch of a feud during an incredibly difficult time for the WWF. More on that in another tiered list. Uh, but I love the Blue Blazer. I thought it was a really a really silly, wacky gimmick. It was that existed in a t- it, it sort of as we're kind of moving into this character-driven time. Like it was a little bit before its time but I liked it. It had all, Owen's the, great.
0: all your basic superhero tropes, but because it was Owen Hart, and he got, he's one of those wrestlers that got the irony of professional wrestling when mm. it was ironic, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It just made it work, didn't it? I really—I didn't really enjoy it but in the Attitude Era, but we're not talking about that now. Obviously, Owen didn't want to do it. He wanted to go home. He yeah. wanted to be a fireman and all that jazz, and we you know how it ended, and that was a massive shame. Biggest travesty in wrestling history, some could say. Some mm. would say. I might say, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we uh, move on. to so someone who we don't need... Yeah, it's Bobby the Brain. It's, it's Bobby the be Brain. It's
1: happening. Bobby the Brain is top of the top. He is right next to a guy who I genuinely think is his son. Is <laughs> 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 The 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 one thing about Andre the Giant, like he is the best. He is the one of the greatest giants in the history of wrestling. But the the one thing that he lacked was was. Was was uh, promo talking <laughs> like the day where he handed Ted DiBiase the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champion of the World, which was the WWF title. Like he was never one to, he never was great for promos. But that's why you had Bobby Heenan, the greatest talker in the world, who who was the man that turned Andre against his friend, poisoned his mind, and Bobby Heenan would turn his hand to so many. Uh, the Heenan family, as they were known, any time Heenan walked out with a wrestler, it added gravitas. Mm. But, and especially if you were a wrestler that whilst you had the great ability, you may not have had the charisma.
0: To quote Ross, down, Who called uh, Chris Jericho, by the way. Oh, Bo- Clint Bobsky, sorry. Oh. I <laughs> said charisma
1: the first time. Of oh, course, cool. <laughs> a big old Clint one. Uh, but Bobby... Uh, Easily the best. We don't need to say
0: anything else, do we? Say no Unbelievable. More. So next up, we have a man who was <laughs> one of the biggest dicks in professional <laughs> wrestling history. And no, not because he gave birth to Randy Orton. No, he didn't produce Randy Orton. We have Cowboy Bob, who was an arsehole with a cast on his hand. Whoa! I wasn't uh, expecting that. The thing is, like, that man as a heel needs to be... Just because he made everyone emote so much, surely he's just... Uh, Higher above just about mm. bearable. Or is that you being within the realms of KF?
1: Oh I'm K He's not very <laughs> nice to see. Yeah. I'll put him in all right. Why? Um I don't think he did a massive amount in the WWF. I think he did loads elsewhere. I think he was he happened to exist in the in the main event of WrestleMania one that's yeah. kind of sealed his his career. Uh, the stuff with the cast, I think, was was probably the best stuff he ever did. The idea that this guy's had a cast on his arm for a thousand <laughs> years, and it's like all oh, that arm must never heal, but he constantly uses it as a weapon. I like that. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think he did a massive amount. Enough that uh, when you're saying that, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm only... basing it on WWF in the eighties. Yeah, so I'm using. It, had, I'm looking at it through this small little scope. And you know, in other places, I'm sure he did great things. He gave us Randy Orton. and (laughs) And he's a bastard and he's a bastard no
0: but i'm only going off what everyone says in the wrestling documentaries and stuff Mm -hmm. just what they've said about cowboy bob that was my opinion based off that i'm going to be truly transparent in this video because what's the point in lying exactly next up we have the old brain busters arn Uh, anderson and tully so the scott wilder and dash dash dawson scott (laughs) wilder (laughs) and dash dawson you see this new name by the way apparently cash wheeler Really, cash money Wheeler. I like that. Yeah, Dash That's Wilder, cash,
1: I, I, I cash think, and dash. I like that. I'm a big fan of that. I'm anyway, putting them in lovely, lovely, lovely. I thought you were going to go right. for the best. No, and now, Horseman, Arn and Tully, the best. Tully like, had his issues, didn't he?
0: Mm. He wasn't around for too long.
1: Well, this is. It's just. It's just sad timing because like, like it felt like like the Horsemen were. You know, we're, we're, we're getting sort of momentum in the WWF, but all of a sudden, like, Arn and Tully came over. Uh, in, WC, in NWA, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then Arn and Tully came over, and they were just kind of... They, they were great. They're a great tag team. As part of the Horsemen, just they would have been the best. But I'm talking WWF Brainbusters. They were great, great unit. But it just lacked that little bit of punch that the Horseman had. Yeah. Like, if you had gone all in and got Flair in and had Heenan there tried. as well. <laughs> oh, they tri- oh, They really did. Like, we came very, we came buttock-cleansingly close to having the Horseman
0: yeah. as
1: part of, uh, of WWF at this point. But uh, alas and lack, great tag team. As you say, like,
0: the, uh, the Revival the when the the viable, if you will. <laughs> but I am just trying to think. What obviously they, they won the tag team titles when they were there, but like the really standout WF match for those two. Oh I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head, but then I know nothing. There was quite a few they had. Uh they had some crackers like the Heart Foundation, I don't yeah. know that
1: much. Um there was I'm, I'm sure I saw the mix-up with the Rockers as well.
0: Um, Bulldogs not so much. I think they did. And speaking of the Bulldogs, we ah, have them now. We might as well move on, Tom. Might as well. Ones. Might as well. They've oh. got to go top. No. Oh, they're iconic yeah. in the WWF as well. Not just like Arn and Tully, who were outside, then came in, but weren't as good as the way when outside. It's These popular. were. I know they were in Stampede and all that stuff, but they came in and they had Matilda. We're still speaking about Matilda. Bulldogs going in the Hall of Fame this year. Will. Dynamite? No, no, no. <laughs> there's
1: there's a lot of uh, there's, there's there's a lot there's a lot of animosity. Well, they will, sadly, Dynamite no longer with us. Tom yeah. Billington no longer with us. There's a lot of animosity, uh, and if you if I read if you ever read Pure Dynamite, to the Tom Billington story, you will know why. Davy Boy Smith and Tom Billington weren't the best of friends. Uh, more so because uh, Tom was wasn't a big fan of Davy Boy. Was um, Tom a fan of anybody? Uh, he was. Yeah, uh, that famous fight Chris, with a Rougeau. A fan backstage. of Chris Benoit. Uh, But solid tag team Solid tag team And I know there'll be people that'll be like Brain Busters aren't above the Bulldogs But I think the Bulldogs had a stronger WWF tie Than the Brain Busters did Then they had that match didn't they
0: Who was it with when uh, uh, Tom got injured? He did his old neck on the ring. Was it his neck? He, or something? He did on the, he's just lay on the apron for ages. Wasn't there
1: he? was, there was. I have a feeling it might have been the Heart Foundation. But and I'm sure you'll tell me in the comments if yeah. I'm wrong. There was a fate like the, the, the one of the more iconic bulldogs stories is uh, when Mick Foley was having a match at the WWF as an uh, enhancement talent. And he got drilled with a clothesline from the Bulldogs. That was so hard it broke his jaw. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: for ne- the first time, nearly
1: got him done with the wrestles, uh, but uh, they were they were ones for delivering clotheslines. Were the lads, the Bulldogs, uh, great team?
0: Pop him in the best. So next up we have the Brooklyn Brawler. Who, who still does he still work for WWE? <laughs> I
1: say I would I would <laughs> assume he's a he's a talent for life, but I haven't
0: checked out. Uh, what he's up to lately I'm sure I saw a documentary thing I don't know if you can put him in anything but alright because yeah. his role was he was just there he had so many different gimmicks over the years he was just there to make other people look good and he did a good job doing that otherwise he wouldn't have kept coming back and really. it was during
1: the 80s where like he probably got like the closest to a push when he was aligned with
0: he like, had that one match didn't he for the title was it him? Am I getting somebody mixed up with somebody? You are getting... You, there, was, there was an infamous match in 2000. Horowitz had one as well, didn't he? For, with Shawn Michaels, I think. Who was, was that brawler?
1: Bar- Barry Horowitz. The most famous match Barry Horowitz had. He's not on our list. Uh, it was with Skip from the Body Donners, Chris Candida. <laughs> And uh, Horowitz ended up, like, lasting 10 minutes against Skip. And it was, like, the ultimate jobber victory. But Brawler was just one of those guys who just forever lost. He was... uh, He was... in my house the people the enhancement guys were always called the wimpies. <laughs> and he was the king of all the wimpies. And King uh, of the ice creams. Hence why hence why he's made the list and <laughs> a lot of other of the wimpies haven't. So lots of love for Brooklyn Brawler. Briefly became the Boston Brawler. Mm. But that was many years before. This is sort of the eighties when he was uh, I'm sure I'm, at and his
0: I'm, peak. His peak? That's a thing to say. I'm sure I saw a thing on a documentary which said he just kept getting booked by WF because no matter where they were Whatever time it was, he would make sure he'd get to an arena If he had to pay his own car fare, had to pay his own air fare, anything like that, he would be there, he'd wrestle, he'd go home. He was committed. Just just the opportunity, that's what what kept him around for so long. So next up, we have Brutus the (laughs) Barber Beefcake. (laughs) To quote Conrad Thompson. We're going to pop him. Steady, Tom. Steady. Where would you like to put him? I would put him personally, but I wasn't alive in the 1980s, so this might be wrong. I would put him in just about bearable. Okay, why would you put him in just about bearable? Because I watch every single thing that uh, Brutus does, Mm. whether it be him or the booty man, but we're speaking about this just him. Mm. And while he did get massive pops, it did not for me. <laughs> no? And he did obviously main event that, was it SummerSlam? Against, well, with Hogan?
1: He was in, yeah, oh, that was the, the the steel, the infamous, uh, there was an infamous steel cage match, I don't know, against Zeus, like and macho king. Yeah, um, But we're talking like Brutus Beefcake. I'm going to pop him in there for you. Um, but where where talking... would you go? Well, I know you'd put him either all right or just about bearable anyway, but ah. we're talking like Brutus, this is Brutus kind of, He's just sort of finding his feet as the barber, like just coming out of the dream team with Greg Valentine, yeah. and uh, at a few, at a few was it was sort of embroiled in a feud that involved like Roddy Piper, oh Jake the Snake, Adrian, was it Jake the Snake or Roddy Piper with Adrian Adonis, and Roddy Piper. There was a bit where he cut Adrian Adonis's hair, and that's kind of where the barber shtick was born. Uh, but he was never. Particularly a grand
0: performer. No, he wasn't so. no. I always used to that just those massive pops you used to get back in the day used to really baffle me. <laughs> <laughs> just did. So next up we have the bushwhackers. Oh. Who, who need good? The best, don't they? Do they? Oh, do you know what? I think they, I love the bushwhackers, mate. I
1: love the bushwhackers. How
0: can you not smile when you're watching it? Uh, yes, they would go around licking people, and that might, no, that might,
1: that might not be They nice. never won a thing. <laughs> they never won a thing, but like in terms of oh, I'm
0: gonna put Ah, that's cool. We can't put them above. I can't put them above yeah. the Brainbusters. I'll lose. I'll to lose my Gary YouTube license. To be fair, they are different horses for different courses. <laughs> they, aren't they certainly
1: are. Yeah. They are not the same in terms of in-ring. So they debuted right at the tibbity top of the '80s in '89. They'd spent time as the sheep Herders elsewhere, which is a more hardcore version of what I we think got an understatement. I've
0: seen one of their matches, and that is like it's a bloodbath.
1: Terry Funk on crutches It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so they had this. So when Vince called them and said, "Yeah, come and do the sheep." Kind of thing, but can you tone it all the way down and just lick people's heads? Uh, but yeah, like you say, different horses for different courses. As a kid, as a fan of wrestling, love that. You do
0: it, don't you? All that. And you love go around them. licking strangers. It's a great
1: time. Not during, not during this particular era. Uh, but like it's it, I think I think lovely 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 yeah. just just for the just for the comedy value, not based on wrestling acumen
0: at all, like they were they were very just basic. Two entertaining people who were so indeed despite being horrible badass men. Let's just mm. say that, in the wrestling sense, of course, just endearing, weren't they? Just got behind them. Yeah. Is bushwaggers. silly. Exactly. I have no idea who this is. Tom. This is the Natural Butch Reed, sir. The Natural Butch Reed. Uh, the Natural bu- <clears throat> Butch Reed. I'm going to put
1: in all right. Does it say Trump on his bandana? It says uh, Natural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't say Trump. That'd be weird. Uh, Butch Reed spent a time in the WWF, but like a lot of people know him from stuff in WCW. I've he heard seen, the name for he sure. He teamed with Ron Simmons. They were called Doom. They were managed by Teddy Long. They were phenomenal. Uh, Famous picture with Teddy's little pencil moustache oh. and two big lads behind him. But butchery on being polite and putting him in alright because he didn't like he like he didn't really jump through in the same way a lot of people did, like the Bushwhackers did or other people did during this time in the WWF. But um I liked him. I liked him. He was managed by Slick Tom for a him, bit.
0: He's alright. Good wrestler. Why is he alright if you just like if you liked him, why is he alright? He's alright. He was just, all right, just all right. Is that all it? right.
1: I didn't love him. I liked him. He was all right.
0: Didn't love him, but right. liked him. Simply I don't like...
1: like it. Like there's there's wrestlers like Bigelow and Bossman who I think offered more than Butch Reed did in this particular era. So that's why Butch. Reed Why played. do you think he didn't hit the heights? It's a funny one. Like there's a few guys during like that that we'll go through who were great and had like a look, but for some reason didn't click. And I think that's wrestling. That's the WWF slash WWE in general. Like, you can, you, you can have all the, the, the ability and stuff, but, like, sometimes if Vince doesn't like you, your yeah. career doesn't really touch the sides. Uh, like a question, Corporal Kirchner, who <laughs> I'm putting it in the bin... <laughs> Right. I don't think I've ever seen a, a Corporal Kirshner match. Not many. <laughs> uh, he was a wrestler, too. That was one I remember. Um, in the ring, because not a great wrestler and apparently a massive dig. Why? Uh, just, I've heard a lot of stories of people who just say he wasn't very nice to be around backstage. <laughs> <that> <laughs> just made a lot of trouble for people. Um, poor man, Sergeant Slaughter. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> so here comes the axe. Oh. Here comes
1: the smasher. Papa from Papa. It's demolition. Demolition, who I am gonna put in lovely, lovely, lovely. I like them. Now, this is now I'm
0: oh you disagree you're disagreeing. No, no, I was I was gonna say I, I've got no it, it's certainly one of the top two tiers, but I don't mm. know which one. Because demolition for me of all the iconic tag teams, they're not one of my favourites personally. Okay. I obviously liked the theme. hmm Liked it when they brought in Crush. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it it. <laughs> but the whole look of it—it it never, it never. Yes, they were going for their version of the Road Warriors. Yes, yes, of course, I thought they were going for, but it never really. Blah. Don't know about you, but well, that's exactly what
1: you said is exactly true. At this point, they didn't have the Road Warriors as part of the WWF, so they were they, there was a couple of, there's a couple of tag teams that you'll see, which are basically they kind of have this this whole department which was failed attempts to make their own Road Warriors, and we'll get to some of them. Demolition being one of the more um, one of the ones that punched through more than the others did. They certainly kind of, had a
0: great deal of success, didn't they? They did all right. They did all right. And it gave Crush his first out in the WWF After as well. The longest reigning tag champions all the way through until the concussion lawsuit came along and the New Day took their reign. Just a pure coincidence. <laughs> pure coincidence.
1: <laughs> what are the odds of that happening?
0: What are the chances of that happening? So next up, we have Dino Bravo.
1: Who... No, this uh, is the Rock Don Morocco. Let's get those two mixed up. Yeah, easy. One's got blonde hair. Oh, hasn't. Uh, the Rock Don Morocco, Oh, I'm going to pop in all right. Um, His success must have been earlier on than this period we're talking about here. He had success in other places. Mm. Um, like, he had a great look. Vince really liked him. He had uh, uh, this, this European uh, appeal to him that Vince was a fan of. Could barely talk. Uh, they they, put him with, they would put him with Bruno San Martino. Not Bruno San Martino. What am I talking about? I'm talking out of my bottom. Superstar Billy Graham. Uh, would become his manager like sort of Wrestlemania 4 onwards and they'd try and uh, sort of attach the rocket to Don Morocco uh, near the end of the 80s. Uh, but it never truly lit. Was he a continental champion? Does that ring a I do not actually remember if he was or not. I have a funny thing that he might have <laughs> seen many <laughs> years before. But like in, the, in this particular time didn't really touch the sides.
0: So here we have next up classy Freddie ah. Blassie. Now... Well, I, did, I can't picture him being around for that long in WWF in, in the '80s. He managed uh, the Iron Sheik
1: and Nikolai Volkov I remember those in days. WrestleMania. Yeah. So he wasn't around massively. So like, so like, I put him in because like he was he was certainly a part of the WWF in the '80s. He obviously had his big in ring success much before this, uh, but he was he, he was a voice of uh, a tag team in this particular era. But then like he became like a. He did other things with the
0: WWF. He kind of became their elder statesman for a while He was the best voiceover on. man they ever had. Oh, Those no Attitude Era promos, oof. But he was, well, I was also managing, I think it was Hogan's first ever match, he was his manager. He was indeed, uh, post-Terry Boulder, Hogan's (laughs)
1: manager, and it was a beautiful combination. So he did do a little bit, he had a little bit of a manager acumen at this point in the WWF, but uh, his true time had kind of come and gone by this point, because he'd done a lot of stuff in, in the late 70s, early 80s as well, but chucked him in anyway, wanted to give some love to Classy Freddie Blassie. I mean, it would be wrong
0: if we put him anything lower than Lovely Lovely Lovely. Yeah, exactly. We put him there because of tenure, I guess, in this era we're talking about mm. right now. So next up, we have Mean Gene Oakland. Say no more. Up the best man go. to do ever do his role. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, the thing. I uh, you watch Mean Gene do his stuff and you just, it baffles you why they make the the, the backstage interviewers of today be so lifeless and everyone's the same and everyone acts the same if you're a good guy you get a smile and a a longing look when they walk off the camera if you're a heel they get a frown when they walk off the camera and he would react to what was being said to him and he'd question everything they would do and it it just makes you wonder
1: There is this weird thing at the moment that I sense as a wrestling fan which I've never sensed before which is the sense that WWE are not essentially trying to create characters or they're not trying to create stars either they're just The WWE is a brand Mm. and they're selling come to the WWE as opposed to let's sell. Because, I mean, historically, and the ruthless aggression era documentary they've got highlights this. Sometimes they make stars so well that the stars bugger off (laughs) (laughs) and leave them high and dry. So there is, and this is only my opinion, I get this vibe that they are very reluctant to, to really... Make a big household name, so they like to kind of keep everything under the WWE umbrella, which is kind of why you have got this sort of one-size-fits-all style for a lot of things like backstage interviewers. But Gene Oakland was a was a class unto himself. He was able uh, to to help tell a story, to move a story along. He had a, a great. Uh, way backstage with, and he was just part of so many key moments backstage yeah. you know it was him backstage with hulk hogan the night hogan beat the iron Sheik for the wwf championship and there's champagne being poured everywhere and gene's there with the mic getting the moment oh it's just great uh yeah big love for gene i never thought gene oakland was a great commentator but as a backstage announcer, he was a, a tremendous. That's what I'm judging. Him on. I, person. I
0: don't remember me and Gene as the
1: commentator. He did some. They they used him a couple of times as a commentator. He even was Hogan's
0: tag team partner on one occasion. Those promo packages are bloody lovely, aren't they? Yeah. when Hogan's training him up for his wrestling oh, match. Oh,
1: it's beautiful. So
0: next up, we have George the Animal Steel. Turnbuckles oh. run away. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just a shame most of these lads... Well, not most. Some of these lads are no, no longer with us, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, George Steel was somebody who had a lot of success early
1: on, early before this era of the WWF, but was just kind of there as it was coming to an end. I think you're going to go lovely, 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 maybe. Yeah, I was going to, but I slipped. <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> But he was, but like, he had a big moment at WrestleMania two when he faced Macho Man for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, that's kind of one of the key moments, like um, uh, you know, in this era, mm. like he was a big part of that. Um, and and every time he chewed up a turnbuckle, it would always get matted up in his it's hairy just... chest. It was always a bit of a strange
0: visual. That's what the '80s sort of did better than most eras. When you look back at this roster here, it's just the sort of endearing. Weirdo. Mm. Bushwhackers. George the animal. Who else is on there as an endearing weirdo? Inde In- de- indeed. <laughs> is an endearing <laughs> weirdo. You know what I mean? They did that better than most dearers, I feel. We got some wonderful endearing weirdos to come. We really Not have. more so than Greg the Hammer van time joking. Obviously, I didn't see Greg the Hammer Valentine at his best. He was just always there, and his hair was always fantastic. His hair is still fantastic to this day. Saw him in Las Vegas last year. Oh, did you? I almost gave him a sniff. Ooh! <laughs> what conditioner do you use, Greg? I'll get you! <laughs> um, I'm going to put Greg in all right.
1: Rhythm and Blues was a thing around this time. He did I a didn't... bit of stuff with Rhythm and Blues and the Honky Tonk Man. He did indeed. Uh, there was a very memorable feud that he had... Uh, with whose name escapes me now. Very memorable it was a very feud. memorable feud with a guy with blonde spiky hair whose name's for Scotty now. Too oh, Scotty Too Hottie. Scotty Too <laughs> Hottie. It was. Oh, it's going to really annoy me now. Blonde spiky hair? Yeah, blonde spiky hair. For some reason, I've missed him off this list. I feel like I should have put him on. very it, it wasn't Terry. I'm going to, right, I'm breaking up. Go, Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. That's there the you go. Terry Go <laughs> YouTube. Rubbish Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> uh, Rugged Ronnie Garvin. Uh, there, was, there was, they had a, they had a phenomenal <laughs> feud uh, in which, as a, like, Greg's Valentine, Greg Valentine's finish was the figure four. Mm. And Ronnie Garvin found a way to... catch. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. counter by wearing a leg brace that he called, and I've always loved this, the Hammer Jammer. <laughs> because he had this leg brace on so when Greg applied the figure 4 you've got Ronnie Garvin doing this
0: (laughs) it's not hurting
1: mate because that's how wrestling works and there was a point where Ronnie Garvin got um, he lost his job he lost a match to Valentine and so Garvin was just taking other jobs within the WWF one of them was a ring announcer and then this Greg Valentine's (laughs) entering Ronnie's announcing him going here comes look at the state of this guy here (laughs) stupid hair and old face it was just beautiful. <laughs> Ronnie's not in this list, but pretend I put him in the best. Uh, and uh, Greg's all right. <laughs> uh, Greg also had a... I'm putting Greg uh, just above Brutus as, the, as the, the workhorse of the Dream Team, <laughs> who's a former WWF tag team from uh, tag team champs from yeah. sort of the mid-80s time. So next up we have Hacksaw, and it's, it's at least lovely, 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 if yeah. not higher. Now, Jim had some questionable... Uh, like the weed. <laughs> he did. He was a big fan of her, a little bit of a, but 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 also backstage uh, there was he, he was he was one of Hogan's buddies, so he didn't lose very often. I didn't realise he had that asterisk next to his name. I thought he was just so popular. That's why he was up there. There was a bit of that, but there was also a bit of like like he became like he was very popular without a shadow of a doubt. But if you watch, he very rarely loses. Yeah. Like so many matches on pay for you a double count out. Because Duggan is just like. And it trans. The same thing happened when he went to WCW and he was like, Hogan brought him in and he just became like this unstoppable monster in WCW, which is hilarious.
0: I think I heard uh, Bruce Pritchard. I think it was an episode about Haxel and he was on about how it was almost time for him to give him the big one, but then he got done for the weed stuff and that was like, oh, they're backing away from that, which is weird for the 80s when you think back. Well, no, because I think the thing is, right, the big thing with that story was,
1: uh, Hogue, it was Jim Duggan and the Iron Cheek. Who in were who pulled over? They broke kayfabe. That was the big issue. Yes. Because at this point in wrestling, your faces and your heels all travel separately. Mm. So they weren't so much annoyed with the fact they were hot boxing while driving down the interstate. They were more annoyed that they were a babyface and heel hanging out together. Yes. It broke kayfabe. That was part of the reason why they were punished quite heavily. <laughs> like you
0: broke the unwritten rules before they were meant to be broken. Mm-hmm. So next up, we have King Haku. Who Haku. one of the Heathen family, of course? Indeed. He's gotta go. It's one of the upper echelons, isn't I'm it? I'm putting him in lovely lovely. lovely. I love Haku, Haku was
1: great. Like Haku and Andre were a tag team for a while. That's a scary tag team. It is. It was more the fact that Andre was so cream crackered that Haku was just there to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> and Andre just came in and would just go and tag back out. He's again.
0: bloody Andre the giant, isn't he? he? Is. he can do what he wants. Uh,
1: but Haku uh later on got, has this this Incredible rep is just this monster, and there are some fantastic stories about Harku, just just uh, causing ruckus everywhere he goes. Um, it's funny how we'll talk about someone like Koppel Kirchner, who was just had a bad attitude and would just be a, a, a dick to many people, but yet Harku is just like, ah, oh, it's fine. <laughs> they probably deserved it. It's Harku.
0: <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, but you must just look for the good. Yeah. He was always, every story you hear. It always seems to be him backing up a wrestler, mm. the boys, and all that mentality. He was very
1: much he very much protected wrestling. Um, I think there was a story where he was at an airport and there were a bunch of soldiers talking about, "Oh, there's some fake wrestlers over there." And Haku went over and are like, you what mate? Got <laughs> to say? Like Haku just standing up to some soldiers. Imagine being a soldier <laughs> and not knowing. Google Haku stories yeah. if you've got some time kicking around the house.
0: All day, so next up we have Harley Race. And the only thing I'm remembering from this run for him was the King stuff. It was indeed. Now, um, his best days were behind him, it's fine, I'm so. gonna, right. Right,
1: Harley Race in NWA yeah. would be the best. In WWF at this point, he's all right. Uh, Harley came into WWF. Uh, it was a big signing for Vince McMahon to bring in Harley. It was kind of one of those moves that was sort of done to potentially damage the NWA to bring him over to the side. Um, he became King Harley Race. There was a point where um, the King of the Ring wasn't televised. And Harley Race was one of those kings before the King of the Ring was a pay-per-view. And that's where the king thing came
0: from. And he came out on the throne and the robe and all that stuff. There's a story about why Vince wanted to make him a king, though, isn't there? And I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I think he just felt like it suited him. Yeah, was just it, looked, just, was it looked quite just regal.
1: Yeah. So Vince McMahon can be quite simple like that. It mm. was, um, I think it was Connor from The Ascension... Who uh, was in a meeting with Vince McMahon? <laughs> that was it. And Vince was like, "You look like a rat. Can you talk nasally? You're going to be a rat." <laughs> and uh, Harley, and, and like Harley's best days, as you said, were behind him. By the time he came to the WWE, he got some nice paydays out of it, um, but he was feuding with Duggan and Haku. Haku yeah. uh, but it was he was a shadow of himself. But again, if we were doing NWA in the '80s, he'd be at the top. Putting the whole bounty up against Ric Flair. Those promos where he just stared dead down the camera and go, I am the greedest wrestler alive today. I look at him. Oh, just, oh, amazing. But, like, this wasn't the same heart.
0: No. It's where we're putting him in, all right. So next up, we have the Heart Foundation, oh. who, you know... What do you say? I'm putting them up there. Of course you are. The Solid, Solid foundation. foundation.
1: Even in their embryotic stage as a tag team, they were they were great. There was something there. You knew. You kinda knew that Brett was gonna be a thing. There was part of your waters where you knew that Brett would probably be a thing.
0: Yeah, we could there was just so you know, two opposites attract and they make a fantastic team. You had Jim, mm. Cacklin, big bruising man, did all the power stuff, and then Brett was the the Quiet One, The Hitman, did all of the new ones, to technical wrestling stuff. You put that together and you have a heart attack. Heart Foundation and The
1: Rockers fighting, which is crazy when you think that those, like, there are two people in, amongst these four that would like, change the industry in a decade to come. Yeah. Like, I'm, I love that sort of stuff. Easy choice, they're in the top. Hillbilly Jim. Oh, don't go messing.
0: Don't with go country, messing with boy. a country boy. Country boy. Country boy. Don't go
1: messing. Do it. Do it. Do you, Billy?
0: Beautiful. Ooh. Beautiful. Lovely. 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 Just like a triangle. <laughs> <Just>
1: like a... <laughs> <laughs> he had a he had a pally pally friendship with Hulk Hogan, and like there was a Hogan hillbilly. Team that was burgeoning around the early to mid 80s that I loved. Uh, Hillbilly Jim never won a belt. No. Never needed to. He was a, he was a very cool guy.
0: Again, it's another weirdo, an endearing weirdo. Endearing weirdo. Not saying that he, if you're a hillbilly watching mm. that you're a weirdo. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just a bit outside the box, but you, you love him all the same.
1: And he was part of the uh, he was kind of part of the rock and wrestling movement. He was on the he was on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, uh, the cartoon series. He was immortalized in animation. Mm.
0: Was the, was our boy here? Yeah, he was. I think I saw a shoot interview with him when he was speaking about how much money he used to make from merchandise alone. Mm. There was a number mentioned, I can't remember what it was, but I remember sitting there watching it thinking, wow, <laughs> that's a big number. He does all right, he does all right. So, next up, we have the second greatest intercontinental of all time behind The Miz because Chris Jericho doesn't exist anymore, right? <laughs> 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 oh, uh, you talk man. I want to put him in lovely, lovely, lovely. I was I might suggest, just because everyone. What type of heat did he have as a man who knows more than me oh, about Well Oh, that's a really good shout. Um, was it heat heat or was it sort of Baron Corbin heat?
1: I don't think it was as bad as Corbin heat. I think it was one of those things where everybody knew that he wasn't as great a wrestler as he made out to be, but he was the Intercontinental Champion He's a man who dressed up as Elvis, though.
0: That was the gimmick.
1: That was it, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think it was very much by accident that he became the longest-running champion. It just kind of They just <laughs> kept it ticking over for the longest of times. Uh,
0: um... Ah, oh, let's put him in. Oh, just just gotta for a look. You got to think about the the Warrior match as well. That made that was, well it helped make Warrior, didn't it? Oh, well, that was, well. That was the yeah. I think that's the night that uh, Warrior was was. Very much on the map
1: that night. It was. Just, it was. It was SummerSlam, wasn't it? It yeah. was SummerSlam where <clears throat> it was meant to be. Brutus Beefcake. Beefcake was injured. Oh, he did that thing on the beach, didn't he? The, it, sailing mm. accident. Oh no, no, that was later. This was a
0: different was it, accident. Was it on the, the parachute thingies and someone fl- flew into him or something? And I'm
1: sure that ruined his face. I'm sure it was a later one. I'm was sure it? He had two accidents? Bloody hell! <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Brutus had
0: two. Maybe um, we should move him up. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh,
1: but but uh, yeah, that was it. So that was that was a big night for the Warrior becoming the IC champion that night and. And honky in sort of the late 80s was burgeoning, so let's pop him there. Finkel,
0: easy, right? up beer. I've got a big affinity for Howard Finkel. I love Howard Finkel, best ever. Hogan, <laughs> <laughs> best ever. We wouldn't be, sat- I think, yeah. you know, what well, you say, what you want, we wouldn't be setty without that man, would we? I like genuinely, and, and I know there'll be people who
1: go, oh, okay, sure. Unsubscribe, Hogan. You said the best. You can't not. You can't like. It's just he was wrestling in the eighties. Was wrestling. He was. He was a game. If not Hogan, who would you? Who would have been that guy in the
0: eighties? In the eighties. Are we pretending Hogan didn't exist? What if Hogan didn't exist? Hacksaw. Oh, that's An a, old American boy. Two by fours.
1: It might have been. It might have been Duggan, but, but Hogan came along at the right time. Hogan, like if I know, like. We wouldn't be sat here. I wouldn't be sat here if it wasn't for Hogan. When I was a kid, I was a Hulkamaniac. Yeah. I was obsessed. Like Hulk Hogan was my guy. I cried my eyes out after WrestleMania six when he lost to the Ultimate Warrior.
0: What year were you born? Nineteen eighty four. Wow. I know, right? By about nineteen ninety, that was peak Hulkamania. Yeah, I was. Was, I was it peak
1: Hulkamania? It was for you anyway. It was for me. <laughs> for me, it was. It was because it was. It, I was six when he
0: lost to. The warrior. He was winning back-to-back rumbles when you were become unconscious about what was going on in the world. Well, how could you not love him? Yeah, he was just the top guy, best guy, and
1: there he is. So therefore, like, and you know, and it was his win against the Iron Sheik in the mid-eighties. Hulkamania is here, hmm. said Gorilla Monsoon, and uh, and that became a thing. That became a moment. And but talking of speaking of, of oh, the devil, oh, with his Twitter game, he has no oh, clue that he does. No, no, no. That wasn't. I'm just rooting him <laughs> up. He's not just
0: about bearable. Um, Sheiky Baby, uh, you've got a, you've got it. it's, it's at least the top two, but it's just how high, because would Hulkamania have been a thing without the Sheik? That's the big question. I think he would have beaten somebody else.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> gonna point me lovely, 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 and then we'll have, we'll have a fight about it later. Um, but, it, but Iron Sheik, yeah, as like you say, Iron Sheik was the guy that, was it was the one that started Hulkamania and he'll tell you that forever uh Iron Sheik becoming the champion was 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 very much the 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 end of the uh, end of an era and Hogan was the beginning of another because yeah. it was Iron Sheik putting that camel clutch on Bob Backland that took Backland out of the game that's probably why we've not really put Backland in this list because Backland's time was yeah Backland's time was kind of done by sort of the early 80s. After his seven-year reign. After his seven-year reign, <laughs> Arnold Scholar throwing the towel in for, uh, for Backland. Uh, as the Iron sheet wrenched back on that uh, camel clutch was what finished it off. Um, Sheiky baby never moved that well. Like, he teamed with Nikolai Volkov for a bit. Uh, Vo- well, and, I didn't when, have to. When
0: Volkov is doing the heavy lifting, there's a problem. He was speaking nonsense. He had his lovely fancy boots. He had the camel clutch, which sometimes made him erect. That's all you need <laughs> when you've got the Iron sheet. <laughs> Uh okay, Jake, Jake the Snake. <laughs> oh, the best, still is today, as we we saw on Dynamite a few weeks ago. Oh, Depending on when this goes live. Unbelievable! It's that diff, the chalk and cheese nature of what he did. Everyone is shouting, everyone is shouting. Then you got to him. And he had to sit a little bit close to the television because he was being all quiet and sitting there. Oh, I'm going to kill you. He didn't need to. <laughs> was it a wise man
1: doesn't shout? He whispers and everybody listens. Mm. Uh, Jake Roberts, um, in, the, in this particular era, uh, was, a, was a very cool icon. Came out with Alice Cooper at WrestleMania. Faced Andre the Giant at WrestleMania as
0: well. Um, never won a belt. Never needed to. Never needed to. Another one of them. Like, like Piper as well. That's mm. a big, we'll get on that debate later on, I guess. I think we certainly but he will. But why did he leave and come back again? He, well, he was... Cause I remember my, I, my first VH, my first dive into wrestling was that WCW VHS about Sting's career and Goldberg's career. And there was a big thing about Sting versus Jake the Snake and Jim Ross is on commentary and uh, Jake the Snake's wearing the co- the coal miners glove thing <laughs> and he's got the snake and the snake turns on Jake <laughs> and bites Jake and that allows Sting to win. He left uh, WWF because
1: uh, he asked what his position was on the show and he was told that by Vince that Vince sees him as the number five babyface and Jake was like, nah, I'm, I'm not a number five babyface. I'm better than that. He was made an offer to come to the WC, to WCW uh, by uh, a friend of his who was there. I, I can't remember their name, but it's, it's, it's crucial because he made Dave an offer. The, Dave the Rabbit. Dave the Rabbit. There you go. Made him an offer, made him a big money contract to come over and be a top guy. The day that Jake turned up, his mate got sacked. Bill Watts was in, Watts hates Jake, and he went, Ha ha, you're not getting that money, you yeah. silly bean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a time it was. So that's so Jake left and it all went a bit weird from there. But at uh, this point, real like he just just had just had a, something different about him. Like I always felt like a Hogan and Jake feud would have been really cool. Why did that never happen? Again, it was because he was seen as a number five baby face. Oh, like it yeah.
0: was he was sort of, sort of pigeon pigeonholed. That would have done for a Stomping Grounds pay-per-view in nineteen eighty eight. amazing. Take us and take names, definitely happened. So next up we have Jesse. Oh no. The body.
1: Ventura, Jesse on comms. Yeah, on comms. So this is commentary, Jesse Ventura, who I think is the best. Jesse was one of the first commentators who I real like. The reason I loved him, reason why he stood out to me, like Bobby was a bit of a blag artist, and that's why we loved him. Like he'd always be like, "Oh, that ref had something in his eye. That's why he didn't see those thirty-seven chair shots." But where Jesse Ventura would, he would always speak the truth in when he commentated. And I love that because everything that, like, Jesse would go, well, you know, he's, he's cheating for doing this. And, like, he's doing that because of this. Everything that Jesse said was true. And the best heels in wrestling completely have, have complete reasoning behind what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I hate it when a heel will go, I'm not going to give you an explanation for why I hit... Dave the Rabbit <laughs> just did, um, and I and I love the fact that Jesse was on commentary, able to to add like justification and reasoning to the heels, and even come at the faces for different things. Like if Hogan would 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 rake the eyes, Ventura would call him out on it and go, "Hang on, you." And he would also take it to Gorilla Monsoon, who by the way is not here, but he's the best. Yeah. Uh, Gorilla would uh, he'd, be, he'd be coming at Gino and saying like, "Hey, look, you say." You say, hey, when, when this guy does an eye rake, you come at him. When Hogan does it, it's fine. That's not the case at all.
0: Jesse was brilliant. So when that. did McMahon and him start doing things together? They
1: were doing stuff in the 80s. It was in the 80s as well. Yeah, it? they were doing stuff in the 80s. I think then Gorilla and Ventura did stuff and then obviously it would, trans- it would move into Gorilla and uh, uh When Jesse went to WCW, there was some lawsuit stuff that would come later on. But uh, Jesse's there. As is... The mouth of the pissing south. We've got to pop him there. <gasps> Let me tell you something, baby! <laughs> It's miraculous how his hair is still the same colour today, isn't it? <laughs> miraculous. Very talented man. Uh, was involved with a lot of
0: making music,
1: music yeah, all as the, well. all the, all the themes. The, uh, the Piledriver album may not have happened without Jimmy Hart. Mm. Uh, do seek out the Piledriver album.
0: It's very special. I think that's how Jerry Lawler first became aware with him. Because... Uh, Jimmy was in a band that Jerry heard or something. Then they became involved together, something like that. Tom, that was uh, the Memf- top me idea. thing happened in Memphis. Yeah, that was probably how it happened. But Jimmy, very much like Bobby
1: and the Heenan family, uh, Jimmy would be that guy that could add a little bit of depth and a bit of gravitas to tag teams, to, to singles wrestlers, and uh, and the Glamour Girls uh, when they needed something a little bit <laughs> extra. Uh, Lord knows the Glamour Girls needed it, uh, but. Uh, Forever a fan of Jimmy Hart's work. Uh, him and the Honky Top Man always made beautiful music together as well. Just this, just this fluorescent, sick on top of these people that uh, just caught your eye every single time. Lovely collection of jackets as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Who we got next, Tom? Ah, oh, the Jumping Bomb Angels. The original. Well, one of the original women's tag team champions that they never tell you about for some reason. There was a women's tag division back in the eighties. They held the titles, didn't they? They certainly did. Yeah. It was uh,
1: they, the the jumping bomb angels. Uh, they were on the first Survivor Series, and it was kind of one of those things where they were added as a team, and then they got amongst it with the glamour girls and with Sherry Martel and all of that. And everybody just went, "Oh my God, these guys are amazing!" Yeah. Like they were pulling out like high flying moves that you wouldn't see. In American wrestling, for many years to come, they were pioneers. Um, I'd love to sit here and tell you so much more I know about them, but unfortunately, I don't know enough about them. (laughs) But what I do know—that's all right, Tom. Yeah, all right. But what I do know is that they were—they were very much part of, uh, as you say, a a, a very hitherto untalked about previous women's tag team title division why did they do that I never understood that well why did they do a women's tag title division I, <laughs> I'm baffled because <laughs> the singles women's division was was so flaky for the WWF for like, like now in the last four or five years probably a bit longer like the the women's division in the WWE has been has been incredibly strong, and I know it's not without its problems. But like in the 80s and in the 90s, they just kept starting and
0: stopping it. It was two wrestlers, picking wasn't them there? Dropping and it, it, went away, yeah, and then came back again. Yeah. But I meant, why did today? Why didn't it never reference the old women's like you jumping bomb angels that held the original women's tag team championships? I, it was always the first ever women's tag team championships when they brought them in. I never understood it's that. It's frustrating. I think they get round it. I think they get round it by saying
1: it's they are the first WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Well, oh, they are. the, with the F, Because they? they're the WWE. <laughs> they're, I think sometimes they've got around it that way by saying they're the first WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Well, that's yes, because there wasn't an E at this point. I see what you're doing. I oh. see
0: what you're doing. So next up, we have the Junkyard Dog. Oh, Doug. the JYT. Who, am I got this right in thinking? He had a lot more success outside of WF before he got there. He had, he had quite a bit before then. Um... Pop him there. Um,
1: or do I put him in the top? He was. He was. He was universally popular, wasn't he? He was. I'm going to put him in the best. I don't think he was. Ne- he was never going to be the greatest of wrestlers, but um, he had. A, he had a popularity. Big part of the first ever WWF pay per view, the mm. Wrestling Classic. Mm. Winner gets a car. What a time! What car was it? It was a special. P- p- a nice fancy car. Oh wow, wow. A, uh, a Vauxhall disappointment. <laughs> uh, JYD, uh again like a big like a popular star of this of this era. Um and as you say, he, he did he would still do more. Like I seem to remember seeing him like he would go on to WCW and he would have he he'd have matches for the W C W title at like Clash of the Champions and things like that. So he would have more success in NWA and WCW than he would in WWF. There was very much a uh, it was. It wasn't as pop. It wasn't as big. But he was beloved. He was beloved. He was one of Hogan's guys. They got on.
0: It was one of them. Happy with that. And then we have big old bloody Ken Patera. Ken Patera. Who I want to run run through the list of facts I know about Ken Patera. Hit me with some Patera pointers. Patera pointer number one, and only, he was very strong. He was a strong man. He's a very strong man. I'm painted. <laughs> <Olympics>. <laughs> he was an Olympic
1: strongman. He was. Uh, all right. <laughs> Didn't do a massive amount in the grand scheme of things in the WWF. See,
0: when I hear his name, I, I I think he's been there for years. Like
1: he was there for years, wasn't he? He was there for a long time. But I he just just, did nothing. It was a story where he robbed a shop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you know any more about this shop? Smashed uh smashed. Frost Frosty
1: Jazz? Threw, threw <laughs> a brick through a window, I tried to rob the place. Oh, was that, that the, the diner? Is, yeah. Yes, i heard that <laughs> one. Uh, cheers, Ken. <laughs> Killer bees. <laughs> oh, you know what? The original twin magic. I'm going to put
0: them in all... Oh, I'm going to put them in lovely, lovely, lovely. Like the Killer Bees. Have we ever seen more match with them involved, I think? It's, was it an early Survivor Series? It was a Survivor Series. It had was, like 20 million teams around the ring. It was
1: the, it was the first Survivor Series, and it was that multi-tag team cluster featuring the Killer Bees. Um, more often than not, you'll see jumping Jim Brunzel on WWE documentaries as a talking head. Hmm. He does a lot of stuff like that. Good fun as a tag team. They put the masks on. The ref couldn't tell the difference. <laughs>
0: what a time. They do look quite similar in that picture. Mm-hmm.
1: King Kong Bundy. Now, 80s Bundy. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Main eventer. Absolute beast. Mm. Uh, WrestleMania 2 main eventer. Him and Hogan in the steel cage. It was before Andre did the five. ultimate <laughs> turn.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Tell the five story. Five. I just want to... People would count to five instead of three. He was that bloody
1: good. Big E, Nick, that. Ah, oh, he did. He would make count of when you count to five when he splashed them. But it was like before Andre turned and became the ultimate baddie uh, that King Kong Bundy felt like the first threat to Hulk Hogan's title. First legit threat, you know. Uh, him and, uh, and future reference, we'll get to in a bit, uh, were the real threats to Hogan. And uh, Bundy in the cage, it felt like a big deal. Um, he wouldn't capture the same success. Like the following year, he would be in a six person, six man tag uh, featuring some uh, smaller wrestlers. Some, uh, it was like it was, it was Bundy and Jim teaming with midget wrestlers. <laughs> Weird time. Uh, press F for Lord Littlebrook. Uh, who. Who you got
0: a terrible time that night, thanks to Bundy. Uh, but there you go, big love to Bundy, lovely, lovely, lovely. And he was surprisingly young. That's the main thing that struck me when he, oh, was, he pa- was it last year he passed away? He looks younger than, he looks older than he actually yeah, is, is not he? He really does. But uh, Coco Beware is up next. Oh, a man with a bloody parrot. Another weirdo who another you just boy. can't help but love. I, when
1: I was a kid, I loved, loved Coco Beware. I loved Coco Beware. Why, Tom? He was he was a, a big, big uh, colourful character and he had a bird. Yeah. Big, he used to do used to do that. Parrot called Frankie. <laughs> bird birds in town. An incredibly catchy things. I only
0: ever it? saw him and Owen as high energy. That's the only time I ever saw They were good fun as high energy. Yeah, they were. Owen was always capable of more, and mm. he would go on to become
1: more. Um but I liked him. I liked him. Benny's still at every convention today.
0: Coco Beware oh, you know, with, with with a version of Frankie. Yeah, because the original one died many years ago. Yeah. Uh, so there'll be his Frankie Jr. Or something. And here we have the biological father of that ginger lady. I've forgotten the name of already. Girls just want to have fun. Cindy Lauper. Right. <laughs> I'm putting Lou in the best. Woof. I'm, I'm going to explain why Lou Albano is in
1: the best. I believe in a previous list in commentators I didn't put him in the best. But there's a reason why I'm putting him in the best for the ages. Lou Albano was a very key part of the rock and wrestling era.
0: He gave birth to Cindy Lauper.
1: He gave birth to Cindy Lauper. <laughs> played Cindy Lauper's dad in Girls <laughs> Just Want to Have Fun. So he was kind of like the conduit for bringing Cindy Lauper. That's a great Lou Albano impression. Thank you. He, he was a conduit in bringing Cindy Lauper into the WWF, which gave so much crossover appeal. The war to settle the score on MTV it was born from that kind of appeal. And for the love of God, the man was Super Mario. <laughs> was he? He was Super Mario. Mario! The Super Mario Brothers Super Show was the cartoon of the, the video game, and they had live action scenes. Right. And based on the success of the, the rock and wrestling cartoon and, and the popularity of wrestling, Lou Albano was cast to be Mario. So in the live-action scenes uh, for was the... Was he an older man at this point? He was perfect to play Mario. Was he? Honest to God, he was Mario. I'm going to have to see this. He was Mario. Bit, you must watch it. It's brilliant. It's a great program, and Lou Albano is is just Mario. But because he had a foot in with the... Uh, with with. The entertainment world now. He had also had one foot in the wrestling camp. So in these episodes of Super Mario Bros. Super Show, where they had the live action bits, it would star wrestlers randomly. There was a there was a story on the one on the one bit where because they'd have like they'd have the cartoon in the middle that was based on the video game, and it would be uh, Mario and Luigi and the princess and all that um, doing stuff. But then you'd have a bookend of like a live action bit where it was Mario and Luigi's plumbing company. Mm. And there was one episode where. Uh, Mario was trying to find Roddy Piper's bagpipes because <laughs> he'd sent them in to be repaired. And Luigi was like, oh, I can't find them, Mario. But hey, I found some odd parts to fix our vacuum cleaner. And he'd use the bagpipes to fix the vacuum cleaner. Doorbell, there's Piper at the door. <laughs> He's living. Uh, there was that. There was an episode with Sergeant Slauser in as well. Like, it was just funny to watch the wrestlers popping up on Mario. And uh. Lou
0: Albano was the conduit for all of that. So got lots of love for Captain Lou Albano. Now we actually we have a man who I feel terribly sorry for in the grand scheme of things. We have Marty Gennetti. Well, we're putting Marty Janetti in with Shawn Michaels, aren't we? So um, as the rockers.
1: As the rockers. So what we'll do is we'll we'll move away from him and we'll just hoy them. All We're just going
0: to disregard that picture. We're going to disregard
1: that because like, the, like, I want to put tag teams in together. Like, yeah. Bret Hart went in with Jim Neidhart. Axe went in with Smash. I know, Axe should be higher. Uh, but we're going to put the Rockers in together. So, I'll tell you what, then. Let's move away from Marty. Let's pop the Rockers in right now. The Rockers
0: have got to be in lovely, lovely, lovely.
1: I want least. to put the Rockers in. They were just the a best. bit bland
0: to be in the best with, not? Huh? Just a bit bland. Mm-hmm. I'll put them in lovely, lovely. They up, were though. young. it were for the girls, weren't they? Woohoo! There was... Two sexy men. Yeah. Rockers. There was a
1: there was a moment where the Rockers became the WWF tag team champions and lost the belts before the episode aired. It's a very weird time. So basically the Rockers had a match against the Heart Foundation where the rope broke. Mm-hmm. And they they did the match anyway, but Vince wasn't happy. Can't have that match air. And the follow. Tell me if I'm boring you. No, I'm not. Uh, the sort following. Of... <laughs> and then, but then they... So they redid the match, won the belts. But then before that episode aired, they'd already... Because they recorded in weird sync. Uh, I believe it was Marty that got injured. So they had to get the belts off them. So mm-hmm. they recorded a match where Marty uh, got attacked from behind and, lost, and they lost the titles. So they're one of these weird tag teams as a result of... I think only the Steiners did this as well. Like one of the very few tag teams who was a result of TV taping order lost the belts before they'd won them. <laughs> but they were, like you say, they were there for the, they were there for the girls. They were the, the blueprint for, like, the Young Bucks. Yeah. Teams like that. And they when they got in there with the Heart Foundation, it was always magic. Um, but Heart Foundation were a better team all
0: around. We, I just might say as well, we to do cheap plug. You might be wondering why the hell Tom knows so damn much. I'm old! About the 1980s. You do the Cultaholic things on, on the podcast feed. We do lots about the... We do lots about older wrestling stuff. Yeah. Oh, really?
1: um, I do... So we do, like, documentaries and stuff on older wrestling, which, which pop up on the odd occasion. We do the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, uh, myself and Justin Henry where we're watching every episode of Raw from the very beginning. So we're kind of in the new generation era. More on that in another teen video. <laughs> uh, and uh, I do the Smackdown review with Matthew Gregg, where we watch every episode of Smackdown. These are all on the Holly podcast feed. The one where you watch the Holly wrestling podcast on. If you like a lot one, of yeah, wrestling. Like you. you see other stuff popping up. That's me. Ruining your day, uh, but so I kind of.
0: I wish I had your memory. <laughs> you say that, but you wait and see how many of these
1: stories I've completely got wrong. I imagine that. I'm, I'm making all this up there the
0: entire time. Making again. all this up.
1: <laughs> so Ted DiBiase, he was a sheep farmer originally from
0: Denver. Um, oh, talking of Ted, here he is. Pop him up there. He's got, he's iconic. The stuff when he would make fans get in the ring and degrade them, Rob Van Damme. Of course, one of the most famous examples kissing his foot. What did we have? Million uh, that was a million dollar title, that was in mid nineties, that wasn't it? No, no, no. He would he would he would create the million dollar
1: championship. When would he create it? Ooh, I have a feeling it was just before the nineties. Was it? Just before the start of the nineties. Really? I think yeah, because he definitely didn't have it at WrestleMania 4. Um he may have very well had it at five. Um, oh, the, whole thing, the whole thing with the Millions on a title was that he, was, he felt snubbed by Jack Tunney that he hadn't won the belt. So he went, you know what? I'm going to get my own belt. And it's going to be better than the WWF belt. So you're about worthy of a man of my standing. So, so we have these vignettes of him going to a jewellers to get this belt specially made. It was uh, yeah, beautiful. But Ted was, was, was just a perfect like, aristocratic heel, like the man who tried to buy the WWF Championship. He was championship. Vince
0: and kayfabe.
1: A lot of these characters are, are Vince, <laughs> just living vicariously through them. Um, but I, uh, I was a big fan of,
0: of Ted. Have you ever um, heard the, um, the rumours that Vince would give him, like, a, a purse every month on top of his wage to go out and be the million-dollar man in public? I
1: hadn't heard that, but it is very much in keeping with I'm sure I've Kay read Fabe. somewhere.
0: I've got no idea if it's true or not, so if it's mm. not, please don't hurt me. It was, like, 10 or 15 grand a month you would get to just go and be the million dollar man because obviously kayfabe was very much more important than it is now imagine a million dollar man on Twitter in 1988. <laughs> Here I am with my good pal. I don't know. <laughs> Picky's main rival at the time. Anyway. He wouldn't have got on with IRS. No. Not at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, big love. Uh, Miss Elizabeth, right? Oh, no. I don't know what it is about Miss Elizabeth. She didn't have to say a single word, but you just think, oh. She's just as well because she had zero charisma. No, but it's um, Liz, isn't it? Good old Liz. 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 We're putting Liz there, aren't we? Uh, uh,
1: Liz, who was the woman that tore the mega powers apart. It wasn't. It was Hogan. He fancied
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all the mega powers apart at wrestlemania 5 and before it was the night that savage became the wwf champion mm. and then at five the mega powers exploded one was hang on let me just check 85 was one 86 was two 87 was three a8 was 4, A9 was 5, we're good. Uh, just checking, I was just checking the, <laughs> the years. Uh, yeah, so the mega powers explode, and it was a result of the, the, the love of Liz. Liz was, it was a funny one with Liz because Savage was really protective of Liz. Like, in and out of cafe, In and out of cafe, <laughs> He was very protective of her. Like, there were stories about how Liz would have her own locker room that Savage would put her in to keep her away from the boys. So, the Hogan and Savage story that dominated, like, WrestleMania 4 through 5 was, was kind of a little bit art-imitating life. Mm. And, and and how protective he was and how, uh, how uh, paranoid she made him. Um, but... When you talk about, like,
0: great female managers, you talk about Miss Elizabeth. That moment at SummerSlam. The, I was about to say, the mo- the moment where they the re- they reconcile and everyone's in the crowd crowd crying. It's oh, the- no, oh. No, no,
1: no, that's WrestleMania 7. Is that WrestleMania I'm, I'm talking about the first SummerSlam where she whipped
0: a skirt off. Oh, she whipped <laughs> it off and revealed <laughs> the little red number. Oh, oh, was, yeah. oh a Cheryl one Baker one from Voxface. The... <laughs> <Fizz.
1: laughs> your mind. Oh, no. my days. That holds up now. Sorry, I thought when they got married it was at SummerSlam, was it not? It was indeed. It was at SummerSlam '90.
0: To... Ooh, oh, it was in the 90s. Yeah. Match made in heaven
1: and a match made in hell.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but it was, it was, that was a beautiful moment. And it was a wedding that went really well up until the end when Undertaker and Undertaker and Jake, Jake turned snake, up yeah. without an invite.
0: Yeah, a snake in a box. <laughs> Could have been worse. Like a pull. <laughs> uh, Mr. Fuji. Ah <laughs> uh, Fuji.
1: Right, put Fuji in alright. <laughs> oh, wow. is that not harsh? Right. Uh, Why? Whoa. Actually, I don't know. Why? I feel like. Mm. He was a bastard in the best possible way. I'll put him in lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, only because it's like... I'm, I'm bait, actually. I, do you know what? I'll put him, I'm i going to put him in all right if slash when we sit down to do the New Generation era because in the 90s, he was useless. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was Yoko's manager, but then he could barely speak English. So they had to bring in Jim Cornette... To be Fuji's manager, to be under Yokozuna's manager, <laughs> so he added. But then, like at this point, he wasn't like if we were doing like tiered list of '80s managers, like he's not up there with the Heenan and the ha no, and all that. Um, so we'll leave him in lovely, lovely, lovely. Manage the. Uh, uh, he, managed, he managed a handful of. It. he managed the, the powers of pain the war he was everywhere and, war on the barbarian I'm thi-
0: more thinking lovely, lovely, because you hear all these stories of what he did backstage and what he did when they on the road and apparently he was always at the forefront of all of the the poo-housery, we'll call it. He was a troublemaker. On the road, yeah. An
1: adorable, adorable troublemaker. Many stories
0: to be read online, which may or may not be true, but that is the internet, and that is the game we all play. <laughs> Next up, we have Mr. Perfect. Uh, why, wasn't he, why wasn't he the world bloody
1: champion? He is one of the guys that should have definitely been mixing it up more with Hogan and being
0: the WWF champion. Mm. Um, lived the gimmick of being perfect. That's how he got it. It's just like, oh, he's good at everything. Oh, let's call him Mr. Perfect. But what I
1: enjoy <laughs> now is that we live in the, we live in the world where the, 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 the veneer is slipped slightly. And you can watch, like on the Perfect documentary, on the extras, all the takes they did. In those vignettes where you'd see Mr. Perfect shooting a perfect basketball... Playing the perfect game of golf, playing the perfect game of bowling. It shows all the outtakes where it wasn't perfect. <laughs> They'd spend all day, <laughs> you know. And do you know what's funny is that TikTok people now do the same thing. They spend yeah. all day trying to make it look like they did something effortlessly. <laughs> Mr. Perfect was Mr. Perfect would have been brilliant on TikTok. Just,
0: just call him Mr. TikTok. That was the Mr.
1: The Mr. Big Trick. There. He, he was the guy that. that um, be, there was other guys before it, I believe, but I think when you talk about how the Intercontinental Championship is the workhorse championship, I think Mr. Perfect embodies that. Mm. Like it was like you'd have guys like Hogan at the top who wouldn't have the most technical match, but they'd have a popular match. Yeah. I must, sorry, I'm not sorry. It's, it's not you, it's me. How a terrible <laughs> night's sleep. The eighties, in it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but Mr. Perfect would be the embodiment of like the the technical quality match mm. so definitely in the best moving on mm-hmm. na, 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 na. now mm-hmm. lovely singing voice first mm-hmm. and foremost. i think what we're going to do very much like with marty jonate uh we want to put i want to put the bolsheviks in together fair enough nikolai Volkov and boris zukov
0: easy to say uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna put them in all right i was gonna say all right i've not seen too much of them again from what but from what i've seen it was all just about where they were from, more than what they would do. It was all just them, like, singing the Russian anthem yeah. and doing all that malarkey. They would do it well,
1: though. Oh, yeah, it was fine. Uh, they were they were bobbins as wrestlers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of them were from Russia, so yeah. that's even funnier. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, fine... Slightly racist, Papa,
0: Papa's a good one. Papa Shango. No, I'm
1: trying to think Papa Shango. Was he not in the 90s? I think he was. I wonder whether I put that in erroneously. <laughs> we might as well do it. We've said it now. Uh, Shang- okay, Shango's the exception. Um, if I was putting... If Shango was in the 80s, he'd be lovely, lovely, lovely.
0: It's all right. I liked <laughs> it when he made <laughs> Ultimate Warrior spew in the 90s. In the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> We can't talk about Shango anymore. He's in the 90s. Is he in the 90s more than the 80s? We'll take him out of us. You know do
1: you know what I'll do as well? Just just to make this tidy. a uh, Genetti. we've got you. There you go. Sit next to the Rockers in the same category. Bolsheviks, you get another Nikolai, which I think was the oh, we're gonna take a
0: we Are going to take Papa Shango out, though, if he is in the 90s? Is
1: he the? He is, he, when did he debut? He's, he debuted in the 90s. <laughs> oh, well, wow, he can't be in this bloody list then. <laughs> we've had a busy week. Yeah, we're we alive. Yeah, it's oh, terrible. Mr. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: We call him Mr. Wonderful. I'm
1: putting him in lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, Paul Orndorff was the first major feud for Hogan before Bundy. Mm. Um, it was like friendship turned bad. The, the saddest part about the Hogan-Orndorff thing was that Orndorff had problems with his arm, but he was told you can have surgery on your arm that will, exp- that will, that will, that will, that will lengthen your career, or you can carry on and have surgery later. And he was about to start a massive run of house shows with Hogan and make a stupid amount of money at Wonder. the top of it. He chose that. And uh, unfortunately, like, because he didn't have surgery and he worked through what should have been... You know, he worked through uh, this terrible injury. He ended up getting... Um, it was, it's the same thing that Kurt Angle has, which is when you're... Atrophy. Atrophy, yeah, his, his arm atrophied. And so you can watch Paul Orndorff. He makes, he makes a couple of appearances in WCW sort of around 1999-2000, and you can see where that arm is atrophied because he didn't choose to take the surgery when he did. And his moment, muscles just shrank and yeah. shrank and shrank, yeah. But he took the house show run with Hogan, and uh, I think the most iconic moment was there was a cage match with Hogan and Orndorf and they both look like they hit the ground at the same time and Orndorf came that close becoming the <laughs> WWF champion uh, but great worker like great great look um, kind of just uh, rungs under in terms of charisma and style for Hogan but Ah, Mr. Wonderful is... He's wonderful. Yeah, better than Lex Luger as well. hmm
0: <laughs> I always... When I, I don't know if it's just me, but I always picture, like, you know, when he grouped, like, gimmicks in a similar gimmick. Yeah. Temperature. I always thought, pictured Lex Luger when he was, a, like, the narcissist and the heel in the same breath as Mr. Similar
1: wonderful. Similar mould as Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a good shout. That wonderful is a good was shout. was better,
0: wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Who we got next? Power and glory. we got Hercules Hernandez. Oh, we're going to pop him there. Who's it with? That is Pretty Paul Roma and Hercules Hernandez. A Paul Romer is someone I've heard a lot about in terms of. Was it the story where he was meant to be in some sort of title feud but then got taken out for somebody else? Well, I know, although the main story I know about Paul Romer
1: is that he was introduced into the Four Horsemen and everybody went, What? What are you doing? (laughs) Why is he a thing? Uh, but they were they were one of the WWS attempts at making like their own Road Warriors, like beefy tag team Power and Glory. And as soon as the Road Warriors came in, they just got trounced. <laughs> uh, I'm never that interested by them as a team, but no. they were just about bearable. Come yeah. at me.
0: I've not seen them, so I can't possibly comment. <laughs> Next yeah. up,
1: we have pro- maybe the easiest. <laughs> Incidentally, the only thing about Power and Glory I truly remember is a Road Warrior Hawk promo just before WrestleMania uh, I think it was one of the 90s where where where, where Animal does his thing and he goes, Tell him, Hawk! And Hawk just goes,
0: Power and glory! Power
1: and glory! That's your name now! But after we're done with you, it's going to be sour and gory.
0: That's one hell of a line. Man. Oh, it's great. That is one hell of a line. And one oh. hell of an impression. Bloody well done. This is why I lose my voice every <laughs> Right, this boy. Macho man, Randy Savage. Right up there. What do you need to say? Workhorse Intercontinental
1: Champion pre-Perfect. I know we said Perfect was the guy that defined that era, but Savage was the guy that was the Intercontinental Champion. And also, it was in sort of the mid-80s, where despite the fact he wasn't feuding with him, Savage would quite often just go, I'm looking at you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's like, just coming out of WWF champ. Phenomenal. Uh, Mania 3 springs to mind. Steamboat. Steamboat. Steamboat Savage. Exp- uh, this divine match still holds up. Uh, Savage is is uh, the year after that. Savage uh, elevating to the main event, becoming the WF champion at the end of that tournament. It felt right. Yeah. It felt like the time. Sad that like like Hogan sort of sh- overshadowed him throughout that. But I guess that became part of the story. Um, but there was nobody like Savage. No, like no, ever will be again. Absolutely
0: not. Just a, just a, just an incredible worker. So next up, we have Rick Rude. Oh, another one in the best for me. Rude's in the best. It's just an iconic character. The the, the, the Velveteen Dream Nick and his, did he start that, he must have? i am not seeing anyone Oh, no, else.
1: yeah, Rick Rude. Putting
0: people on their tights. Rick Rude would, would
1: quite often, like, put Jake Roberts' wife on his pants yeah, Jake <laughs> among other,
0: like other people. Jake didn't know that was coming, did he? Jake was not a fan. No, Jake yeah. didn't know that was coming. It was hilarious. Uh,
1: Rick Rude is just the just the archetypal, just arrogant heel. Like, the use of the tights was great. Um, he kind of got stuck uh, with the Ultimate Warrior for a while. I always feel like Rude was a more capable wrestler, but Warrior historically, whilst he was great as a character, wasn't the strongest of wrestlers. Mm. And so Rick Rude just kind of was stuck with him a little bit. There. Is that what you're uh, uh, yeah, Rude and Heenan, great great uh, team. Yeah, um, should have been WWF champion. He probably should
0: have. Another guy who I think should have been. At the top of the tree, fantastic heel chapney would have been with that stash. Oh, he really! What an have image been. that would have been with that stash and that title. What? Anyway, moving on. We got the Red Rooster. <laughs> the famous story, we all know it. The boxer Gimmicks story. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to tell people that they had a boxer gimmicks and then they gave Mister Perfect to Mister Perfect, and they gave the Red Rooster to him, and he took it literally instead of Bruce Pritchard. I don't know you know what Bruce is like on that podcast. You know what, what's true and what's not, and what's put through. You know sympathising Vince McMahon goggles. Mm. That's a catchy phrase, isn't it? Um, but he took it literally, didn't he? Instead of just being the cock of the walk, he was literally a rooster. With and they kind of brought that onto
1: television because Bobby Heaton kept calling him a rooster. Uh, because he was he's like basically slagging him off, saying amateur.
0: Yeah. And then
1: one day he went, "You're right, I am a rooster. I'm going to be a rooster."
0: Cockadoodle. And
1: he was the red rooster. And, and he was a bit,
0: bit bad, wasn't he? He was just. A, he, he still just... works there today. though in NXT, isn't he? Yeah. Terry, Terry Taylor, Taylor. Yeah.
1: Terry Taylor's a job for life type guy. God bless him. Yeah.
0: Any other... I don't know if I was to say about that. It's the gimmick story overshadows his career, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. The rooster was the guy. Uh, it was the rooster was the gimmick that just kind of. Made the guy, yeah. sadly. So next up we have the dragon. Uh, I wonder- not Aizu before you want to go into the comments. Oh, if only uh, it was. Ricky... I would put
1: Ricky the best.
0: Well, wrest- when it looks... As a wrestler, mm.
1: nobody could really touch him, could he? He's a... Yeah, but then when the, sort of the, the animal... The, the, not the animal, the character era came around in you wrestling. You must breathe fire like dragon. They made, it, they made <laughs> him into a literal <laughs> dragon. There was a famous bit where it was Jake Roberts and Ricky Steamboat. I believe this was where Jake Roberts did a DDT on the concrete mm. on Ricky Steamboat. It was the thing we'd never seen before. But then uh, Ricky, uh, Jake had a snake. Ricky brought a Komodo dragon. And there's this really hokey bit <laughs> where Jake holds up the snake in the ring. Ricky holds up the Komodo dragon. <laughs> and they run at each other. <laughs> and Vince on commentary goes, the charge! <laughs> and then Jake bails. <laughs> it's just... Weird. I wonder what the animals were thinking.
0: <laughs>
1: this kimono dragon going, what are you doing?
0: They want us to mate with what? how
1: we work? Um, but even away from the gimmickiness of uh, the, the taking the dragon thing too literally, uh, Ricky Steamboat, great wrestler. Um, I don't know whether, like, should he have be been more in the WWF? Yeah, but yeah. I feel like he was more at home, NWA, WCW, Type him and you Flair. could say
0: that his charisma didn't really live up to the gimmicky year of the time in WF, but his wrestling ability more played up to the NWA. If he stuff.
1: hadn't, if 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 the the fact that he didn't really. Fully gel as a top tier guy in the WWF. If he had, we'd never have got the Chai Town Rumble.
0: <laughs> so, horses uh, you know, you know, what bit six of one half doesn't the other? Yeah. Plus, you he, would probably still wrestle rings around everybody who works for WWE today. He 100% yeah. would. 100% monster. Word. So next up, we have Rock and Robin. And to be honest with you, Tom, I've never seen her wrestle. The <laughs> the half sister of Jake the Snake Roberts. Where have you just plucked that from? Oh, my brain. Wow. wow. Um, I'm gonna put a. All right. Because she was in the era where, you know, women's wrestling wasn't really at the forefront and the division was thinner than Baron Corbin's <laughs>
1: hairline <Yeah>. before he <laughs>
0: Um
1: Yeah, it was, it was a really, really ropey time uh, in the women's division. It was uh, the ladies' division, but uh, Rockin' Robin was very much there. Former champ. Uh, did did of Sherry. Uh, we'll get to Sherry in a bit. Yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> so ah. Next up, we have someone who's definitely good in the best. Could well be at the top of the best, Mr. Rowdy Roderick Piper. Hi, him What do you in say? A best. proper bastard. Oh. And also a very good, good guy as well, but I think that was after the 80s, wasn't it? The man who punched Cindy Lauper. Did he? Oh, yeah. Wow. He was just. Oh, I missed the old fashioned heels, maybe, because he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 that sounded wrong, didn't it? I You know what I meant. I didn't mean it that way. Um, yeah, just a proper bastard. Obviously, all the big moments in the uh, uh, Piper's Pit with the coconut and this, that, and the other. All the way through until the first WrestleMania main event. Well, no. The, yeah, he headlined. He headlined, headlined teaming up with I mean, yeah. uh, Paul Orndorff. Against Mr. T and
1: Big Hulk. It big did. Tez. He <laughs> uh, boxing match with Mr. T the following year. Which apparently they wanted to do properly, but they wouldn't let them do it. And I think that's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to step away from wrestling uh, uh, the following year, but just came back. There was a great bit where um, he turned up at WrestleMania 5 with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. So it was. It's now Piper's. Piper's great. Yeah, Nobody can talk quite like Piper. I genuinely believe if he was still
0: with us today. We'd have already had an AEW Dynamite promo. Well, yeah, I would have been in that re- in that AEW ring, picture of Vince on the floor, pissed <laughs> on it. <stuff> like that. <laughs> just a uh, proper... I've really just... I hate myself for saying that after what... After, after you said about the Cindy Loper thing, I go, I'd probably hate... i proper <laughs> miss heels. Sorry, I'm dying here. It's been a long day. <sighs> you're doing great, anyway, honey. You're yeah, doing thank great. you. No, you're doing great. You're doing all the work here, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Gary. <laughs> so next up, we yeah. have Sensational Sherry. And, of course, Popper in right the top. Up one of the a real trailblazer in the fact that she would mix it up with the fellas and take it to the fellas. She took her lumps from some of the that lumps. Lovely lady lumps. And yeah. she would give it back as
1: well. She was, uh, she was iconic with Sherry. She very much put a very thin women's division on her back and carried it for a while as well. Uh, but everybody will remember Sensational Sherry, not as a, not as a wrestler, but more as like, the, the manager, the valet, just the, the angry, screaming woman around the ringside who was not averse... So, to putting the boots in. Yeah. And in return, getting some of the boots herself. Yeah. I always remember Hogan giving her an atomic drop. And a, but yeah. Weirdly. Why? Why would he do that? She, yeah. She, well, she was being a naughty. Guess she does have a coccyx as well. <laughs> <That's laughs> exactly. Why the atomic drop hurts,
0: isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> so, next up... <laughs> we... uh, <Vaxix> next <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have Slick, who I love listening to. I love, just love listening
1: yeah, to Slick. Yeah, I want to put the Slick in the best. I really do. He was a proper staple of the 80s, wasn't he? It, yeah, yeah, just uh, I, I, got a lovely singing voice, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you heard on uh, the Power Driver album. Yeah. Um, just a great mouthpiece again for a wrestler that may not have had the uh, the, the vocal ability. He was the manager of the Twin Towers, uh, famously, and uh, I, I love him. I just think just just a cool heel. Mm. So he really stood out in the way he dressed, the way he moved, the way he
0: spoke. It, it, it's, it's it's unique. Only he could do what he was doing, yeah. which is something that's lost in the WWE today. Is that so, what you need to say about Slick?
1: I think that's th- all we need to say about Slick.
0: Who um, the hell is up next, Tom?
1: Right, now, <laughs> <laughs> um, we ummed and hard about whether we put in Tito Santana, El Matador, and uh, the model Rick Martel. Now, Rick Martel came along in like, the, like, late 89, and El Matador wasn't really born until the 90s. <laughs> born. Mm. But there were a tag team called Strike Force for most of the 80s. So I've put Strike Force on the list and I'm putting them in lovely lovely lovely. I don't think I've ever
0: seen a Strike Force match. Oh
1: they were brilliant. <laughs> Why? Mid 80s just a, just a solid unit as
0: a tag team. They were they were a bit white meat. Were they just two good-looking lads who did the wrestles in a really squeaky clean way? They did but then they fell out. Why were they called Strike Force? Cuz they struck. Forcefully. Forcefully. <laughs>
1: um,
0: they were they were a bit white meat, uh,
1: but they just had a real like nice technical style to them. And uh, and and when they fell out, obviously it gave birth to two very iconic characters from the mid card of uh, the uh, the crazy character era mm. of wrestling. Uh, so um, and I didn't mind watching them wrestle a couple of times as a tag team. They fight they fought with the Dream Team among others. Um, they weren't a tag team as the the Golden Era was coming to fruition, but I kind of wanted to give them
0: the nod here and put them in there. So next up, we have the Fabulous Rougeau's elephant, 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 you elephant, 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 I was, but I said elephant time and time again, uh, and the sneeze has gone. Do you need isolation? No, no, I'm fine. <laughs> sneeze is not one of the symptoms, is it? You're oh, fine, true. are you? <laughs> uh, so next up, yeah, the Fabulous Rougeau's. Who, well, for Jacques especially... The story with Bulldog... Sorry, with their dynamite precedes them, Mm. for me. Yes. In my weird, warped universe. Tell the story. Well, they had a fight backstage, didn't they? That's the story. (laughs) Uh, Dynamite knock... No, Jacques knocked dynamite out? Was that the right way around? Yeah, Yeah. they were a bit fiery, weren't they, by stage? Uh, I love the fabulous
1: Rougeos. They... they, What always always makes me smile is they came to the ring with tiny little America flags (laughs) and sat uh, on the top rope with these with these SH1T-eating grins, <laughs> waving these little American flags. <laughs> they were adorable. And obviously, of course, uh, uh, the Rougeos would have a, a fantastic wrestling lineage from there. But uh, as, a, as, a, as a nasty heel tag team, as a smarmy heel tag team, mm. they, were, they were stunning. They
0: were stunning in this era. Big fan. And of course... Jack gave birth to Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens doesn't like him for it Mm. he trained him didn't he early on Owens went to his wrestling school and Jack did some things which Kevin didn't like or something like that I bet the story's a lot more gruesome than that I've just made it completely (laughs) unsold (laughs) so next up who the hell do we have we have the Glamour Girls Yes. Uh, I'm going to pop them in the bin heard the name never seen them wrestle (laughs) tell me about them
1: do all the work (laughs) that you've done for the past two hours (laughs) I'm very sorry Uh, Lilani Kai wasn't a bad she was a singles champion, wasn't she? She was indeed, but the Glamour Girls was kind of her her tag team. Uh, Jimmy Hart was the, the the mouthpiece for them. I don't think they were that great as a tag team. Mm. Uh, they, the jumping Mom Angels brought out the best in them. I'm sure there's going to be some historians upset that the Jump Bomb, Bomb Angels has been lovely, 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 and Glamour Girls are in the bin. But hey, let's let's all build a bridge and go
0: over that. I'm not a fan of the Glamour Girls. And still. who the hell have we got next, Thomas? Oh, well, down here,
1: as you can see, that is pretty poor Roma.
0: Oh, who we talked about earlier? Who we talked about a
1: bit earlier. What so, did he do as a singles man? As a singles man, um, not a whole lot. He was power and glory pretty much all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> gonna pop him,
0: just pop, i oh, sorry, gonna pop him right there. Nice and simple. Simple. Ultimate warrior. Right. Say what you want to say about him, but he's got to go in the best, hasn't he? He very
1: much is one of those guys that transcends the industry. Now, and he, he didn't come into his own properly until the Ultimate Challenge, WrestleMania 6, when he defeated Hogan, which would be in the beginning of the 90s. But in the 80s, he became the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah.
0: Um, and But he was still doing the promos, though.
1: Oh, God, he was still doing the ridiculous promos about lying on the grass and running you over with lawnmowers. Rocket ships and...
0: Oh, oh, my God. God. (laughs) All that, all that. Sadly,
1: (laughs) as much as I would love to put him in for that infamous... Tear down the cockpit doors, Hulk Hogan! And shove the plane into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan! I can't because it's in the 90s. Um, <laughs> but he was a great talker, ridiculous wrestler, uh, was always cream cracker by the time he ran to the ring. But you know what? Love him. Massive part of wrestling He's history. one of the biggest
0: stars of the wrestling history, isn't he? Yeah. One of those guys that just that, that wasn't the greatest of wrestlers, but transcended. Didn't have it. to be. Wait, well, not for the time anyway. Yeah. If we, imagine if he rocked up today. <laughs> And <laughs> NXT doing what he did back then. Oh, man. Fantastic. You get my vote. <laughs> Who the hell is that? Ah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Albert! Oh. He had the first ever wrestling wedding. <laughs> he got married on WWF. I want to say the main, of, I want to say Tuesday Night Titans, or maybe Superstars. I'll put him there. It's <laughs> like Uncle Alma. I ain't got much to offer about Uncle Alma. I thought
0: he was fun. <laughs> Wendy Richter. We're we moving on? Yeah. Do you want to move on? Wendy Richter. On. Who, you know, I've not seen too much of her. Shock and horror. I know. Mm-hmm. But apparently she was the best of all the women's wrestlers. She absolutely was, which is why we're putting her smack bang in lovely, lovely, lovely. Her and Sherry Martel.
1: Uh, were very much at the top of a, of a very very weak women's division. But Wendy Richter uh, was
0: was was solid work, and I feel sorry for her. She got screwed, didn't she? The first proper screw job of Vince McMahon's career.
1: Are oh, the, the Spider Woman? Spider Woman, fabulous Muller. incredible. Yeah, it was it, as you say. It was it was the the first wrestling. It was the second wrestling screw job. The first wrestling screw job occurred in nineteen twenty four, just after Wayne, Vince was born. <laughs> Wayne Munn. Got screwed by Stanislaus Bisco. When Stannis when there was a world title fight, Wayne Munn was brought in. Couldn't wrestle a lick, but looked all right. trio gave him the belt. Stanislaus Abisko, old school boy, uh, gets in the ring and says, literally as they're locking up in this match where Munn is meant to go over via squash, the moment the bell rings, Stanislaus locks up with Wayne and goes, Tonight we're wrestling, <laughs> and Stanislaus just takes him down two falls to nothing and wins the world title <laughs> and makes it. It's an amazing. So Gold Dust Trio, Arresting in the twenties. The podcast, it's on the Cold Calling podcast. I, mean, I tell the whole story in great detail. There, you're welcome. But that was a screw job as well. Yeah, that was, was the second screw job in history. Especially with Mueller involved as well. It was it? Huh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> now you may uh, Mueller's not in this. No. Yeah. Mueller and Snooker are the elephant in the rooms here. Snooker, even no,
0: the Snooker. That's a that's a billiards game. <laughs>
1: Um they're a bit divisive, so they I don't mean.
0: Well, let's celebrate the 80s. Yeah. I don't know what you do. Where would I dunno Virgil? Virgil! Celebrate. The best! <laughs> Soul train Jones, Get my
1: ten dollars! <laughs> um now Virgil didn't come into his own until sort of after the 80s. At this point he was the still the uh, I was gonna say the bodyguard slash servant of SummerSlam 92
0: when he has that match. Was it SummerSlam oh, 92? Oh it was. The pop, and he's wrestling like he's Shawn Michaels. Oh! It he was, gets a bad rap for it, he does, <laughs>
1: Virgil. I think it's like it's it shows when you're in the right it's the right story and you're in the right ring with the right person at the right time, there's magic. Yeah. And Virgil and Ted DiBiase was was as as a fan, yeah, let's let's call a Spence. We can't get too. Um, as a fan. Is that still too much? Nah, yeah. I guess <laughs> fine. As a fan, watching Virgil finally give Ted DiBiase his come up and say, Oh. Oh God, yes. I was so invested. I was clamoring for months for Virgil just to pop DBRC one. And then when he won the million dollar championship, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. And then he did bugger all else. <laughs> He's he in s- the NWO. He got squashed by Yokozuna. <laughs> or Yakuzuma, as he called him. <laughs> uh, the powers of pain. <coughs> Two big sweaty men, and Vince McMahon is quite partial yeah. to big sweaty. Yes, men. Yes, he is. Uh, all right, I'm putting them in. The um, Warlord was terrifying. Warlord had the with the big W staff. Yeah. Horri- wow!
0: Wow! He wow! Worked- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell why Vince liked him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think about the Barbarian. As when you, you know, when you see old timers speaking about who they did the wrestles with, uh, the Barbarian often gets like sung as a, a really undersung hero from back then in terms of what his, his work rate was. Mm. Am I speaking about somebody else? No, no. Well, I never... I've heard a lot of stories about the Barbarian. None
1: of them have been about his work rate. No. Um, but I might be mistaken. Really? Cooking MCs I, is like a pineapple I might of be mistaken as well. um, But they're all right. They were another attempt at a... Uh, Road Warriors-esque team uh, as we turn into as, as the 80s would become the 90s yeah. we get the, the, the definite articles in uh, so we'll also pop the solo warlord with his brother there you go yeah there Did he have, you was go. he not a
0: singles guy a bit later than the 80s or am I misremembering that he was certainly early 90s as well wasn't he he a singles man I think you misremember. Maybe, am um, I? Oh, I know nothing. so, I think Why so. am I even here? <laughs> <laughs> now, they were they were both singles guys, but yeah. they were quite known as a tag team. So we've realized something. <laughs> <laughs> as we've arrived at Wendy Richter, the actual Wendy Richter, and our list just below the table here. We spoke about a supposed <laughs> Wendy Richter earlier. Because obviously Wendy Richter, as well as having like a dark hair, she also had blonde hair for a period of time. That's why I was like, that's Wendy Richter. That's exactly what I thought as well. Right, but it's not. We've realised a a crucial error here in this tiered list. Judy Martin. Judy Martin.
1: You're all right.
0: Wendy Richter, who we was talking about there. earlier. <laughs> Easy, does it? We know what we're talking about. Who are we finishing off this tiered list about? Tom? The Can-Am Connection. You're right, I've never seen them wrestle. Do no, the work no. you've done at the entire video. You know what you're talking about. I'm a complete fraud.
1: Uh, good tag team, not the greatest tag team. Stick them there. So there we the have the Can-Am
0: it. Connection. We've arrived at the end of Gary YouTube in the Tom Variety, of course, his tiered list for superstars of the '80s. Why I was here, I have no idea. Tom, a massive well done for everything you've achieved <laughs> over the past hour and a half or so. Thank you very much. I'd like much. to apologise to Judy Martin and Wendy Richter
1: <laughs> for getting you guys the wrong way around Thank because you. of hair.
0: Yeah. Sorry, to everybody. To be fair, it doesn't look like Wendy Richter when it's small. But anyway, that's, beside <laughs> that's the That's
1: what point. she said. Yeah. <laughs> hell. Anything to plug before we bloody... I think our... I've plugged quite nicely as we've rolled along. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to plug you for watching. <laughs> you are wonderful. <laughs> not, <laughs> so, not in that <laughs> way. <are> You're a <laughs> filthy boy. I'd like to plug you for being brilliant.
0: Whatever you're doing today, I hope you're having a lovely time. I would doing like it. to thank Tom just for saying all of the words that he said during the course of this video because if he didn't say those words, the video wouldn't have been very long at all. I've been Gary YouTuber Spectator, along with you at home. While Tom has said many things. We hope and pray they are all correct. Probably not. <laughs> we'll see you next time on these tier whatever they are. Love you. Gary. Bye. Love you Gary bye. Gary. Love you love you. Gary Bye-bye. Gary Gary.